Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the fans, by the fans, this is the Non-League Football Show. And I'm Tim Fuel, back with our weekly look at the world of non-league football. It's the business end of the season and the next few weeks hold the key to the potential champions and promotion winners this season. First up, old friend of the show, Hakan Hayretin. His Mason United side are now 13 unbeaten in the National South and second in the league. Now they face a week featuring games against third and first. He tells us why he's treating them just like any other game. At top of the ESPN Premier League, a Worthing FC, and we talked to George Dowell about realising his five-year plan. Covid stretched, of course, and also his side's run of games against second, third and fourth place sides in the coming weeks. And we love a story that celebrates the magic of non-leagues on this show, so our third guest just does that. Uh, she's formally worn the Newport County Spitty the Dog mascot costume in their non-league days and now she's introducing a new club mascot at Ashford United down in Kent. Not just introducing uh, the new mascot but Ash the Tree is a creation of an 11-year-old local girl who won a competition to design the new mascot, and the costume itself was even made by a local firm. Marketing executive at the club, Faye Hackwell, tells us more. Rounding off the show, it's the return of the non-league paper editor-at-large, Matt Backcock, with his insight on the National League managerial changes and what's ahead in this weekend's non-league paper. Plenty to come, so sit back, relax, and let's get matters underway so let's start with a side in fantastic form 13 games unbeaten in the national south going into perhaps the biggest week of the year they sit second in the table and on saturday host third place oxford city uh, and in many ways uh, it, that's just a precursor with next weekend's trip one to league leaders dorking wanderers uh, it's water for ducks back for an experienced manager though and our next man is no stranger to manager uh, to, to being a manager and no stranger to being on this show so it's a warm welcome back to the non-league football show to manager at maidstone united uh hakan hayretton welcome hakan Hi, how are you? I'm good, Hakan. Now, again, we're both juggling a million and one things, but you've got yeah, a yeah, big yeah. weekend ahead. Um, do you do anything oh, different for, sure. for games like this, that, that, you know, these two biggest games probably of the season for you? Not really. We still prepare the same way. We, we still have our debrief of the week before on a Thursday. We'll have a look at things on a Friday, talk about the opposition. You know, we've done our due diligence. We know what they're all about and what they bring to the table. And it should be an interesting week ahead. So, really looking forward to it. For me, nothing changes. The preparation for me and Terry Harrison and the staff is all the same. You know, we make sure we, we cross the T's and dot the I's, make sure we've got everything covered. And we're looking forward to, hopefully, a good, good week for us. And looking at that table, it shows the strength and the quality in National League South this year. Because 
you're you're what one one game behind Dawkins. You've got a game in hand, three points behind them, so you could uh, you know, catch them out. Only what, four goals difference on the goal difference there. But I, I say you've got Oxford City uh, this weekend. You've then got Dartford there on the same points as uh, as Oxford. Ebbsfleet just a th- three points behind them. Dulwich just four points behind them. it. It there isn't going to be an easy game at any point during this season. No, I, I've said this, and I've said it all along. This is, and I, you know, in my time of coaching and managing, this is probably the hardest league I've been involved in in terms of quality uh, in, in the last ten years. And uh, you know, I've worked at Luton Town in the football league, and Dagenham in the football league, and I've managed in the conference. So I would say that this is probably the, the, the toughest league I've been involved in for about ten years, and and that, that shows the, the strength and depth that most of the teams have got. I believe it's a filtering process. Obviously, with the influx of foreign players that come in, there's a filtering process which obviously filters down to us. You know, I would probably say the top four or five teams at our level, maybe even more, could compete in the one above. So, you know, it's a good advert for the National League. I think there's some very good teams and, and, and Oxford have done an unbelievable job since David Oldfield decided to move on to Pastures New and the boys at the helm of steady the ship have done a remarkable job. You know, we played Eastbourne last week, who we were fourth in the form guide. Oxford are up there as well. So it's all it's all nip and tuck. It's going to be close. But, you know, for me, nothing changes. Steady, level-headed, focused on one game at a time. And we look forward to the game against Oxford City, which will be a good game. I, 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 I have always thought that I'd, I'd want you on my team if ever I was on a game show, because I've never... I think in in the olden days, maybe you might have you'd lose your rag, but you always seem so calm and just sort of. Uh, is that because you're organised and you've already planned it out? Yeah, do you know what it is? I've I've learned. I'm still learning, and before the passion used to get the better of me, and um, but now it's all about being focused and making sure how I'm going to outwit the opposition's manager when I need to. And there have been times when I've needed to act quickly, and I and I say this, and, I, and I'll say it again. I'm very, very fortunate and lucky. I've probably got the best number two uh, around in Terry Harris, who's a personal friend of mine. I've worked with him at two clubs previously, and we get on really well. So uh, with the experience and the knowledge that we've got, we, we, you know, we stay calm as, as long as we can. I mean, the last 10 minutes of the game against Eastbourne was a bit nervy. But the majority of the time, you know, we, we try and look at the bigger picture and, and um, stay as positive as we can. And, I've learned that over the years. Before, I even used to take it home. So, <laughs> that's long gotten out for me. But, no, listen, the experience aspect of it plays a big part in that now. So, you know, I know what to expect and I know when to expect it. i just got to deal with it. Well, you don't want to be taking it home because I, I, I found that that's probably more expensive than the FA fine that you'd get if you left it on the field because then you take it home anyway. You still get the grief. Yeah, I get a phone call. Did we win? I said, yeah, good. Did we lose? I don't, you know, she keeps quiet for an hour, but I go in and I'm bubbling. But no, I think from from my personal point of view, I think I'm nearly 700 games in as a manager and plus many, many more as, as, as an assistant manager and coach at levels around here and above and in the football league. So I, I know what to expect. I'm, I'm reasonably qualified in that department now to keep everybody level-headed and focused. And, and talking about keeping everybody level-headed and focused, a great time to have your your captain George Alakobi back after what four months out, I think, with a groin injury. Uh, yeah, three, but- months, three months out, yeah. He, he, George has been um, 
someone who I've got a lot of admiration for at the tender age of 36. He looks, he still looks like he's 21. Um, he looks after himself. He's been very, very influential in the changing room, even though he's not been playing. And he's been a massive influence to me on and off the pitch. And he's kept everybody focused on the job at hand. You know, we have an ethos, or I have an ethos. It's one game at a time. I have an ethos. He'd have to be in the the best players have to be in the best team. You've got to be in the winning team. And George has been a big factor of that, even though he's been injured. He, he's kept everyone focused and, and ready for the games ahead, you know? And I guess then that's where you your management skills come in uh, uh, extra handy as well, because you've got a winning team there. You've got a, you've got a centre-back pairing that you don't... Uh, want to be breaking up, but but you've got uh, one of the best centre-backs in the in division that's now fit and able on the bench. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, George knows the rules. George, he's not a silly man. You know, he's played his first full 90 minutes against uh, Tunbridge in the Kent Senior Cup, and I think he needs a few more of them. But he, he, he's, he's a wily old fox, and he knows the rules. We've got a, a good pairing at the back. Long may that continue. You know, when we were in adversity, when we had some injuries and suspensions, I was allowed to bring George Fowler in, which done ever so well for us. And then we got Joel Law back as well after a long absence for injury. And the partnership has just taken off and kicked off from there and they've done well together. And I'm, I'm sure when and if George is called upon, he won't let anybody down. He'll be the player and the professional, uh, the perfect professional that I know that he will be. Yeah, and, and so you've got, you've got a great set of uh, people on and off the field there, but it's also it's a great setup at Maidson. Uh, the Gallagher Stadium, uh, I mean, it's, it's much different from Waltham Forest when you first started in management, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my first actual job was at Watford doing the under-18s, but obviously my first, and then it was Harrow Borough, and then Waltham Forest as a manager. But, um, yeah, you know, with, with a job like this, at this level, there's extra pressure. You know, the club have got a fantastic support base. They expect, they expect to win. You know, we're averaging 3,000 supporters. And with that, if you don't win, they'll let you know. And we had a sticky period a little while back where we weren't winning, but I wasn't phased because I had so many injuries and suspensions and in key areas at key times of the season where I think we won seven games but we couldn't get a win. And um, but I wasn't phased by it because I knew once when everyone was fit and raring to go, we'd have a good, strong foundation to work off and that's what we've done. We, we stuck to our guns. We stuck to our, our beliefs and the way we want to do things. And it's, and it's been good so far, touch wood. Yeah, and, and I know you're, you're one of those managers that likes to get out to as many manage, uh, matches as possible, uh, Yeah, whatever the level, whatever yeah. the competition. Yeah. Uh, and you get to see what other clubs have on and off the field. Does, does that give you other ideas to go back to the board to talk to talk about you know, how you can further tweak things? Yeah. I'm blessed at the moment because things are going well. So, you know, only today I had that conversation with the owner that I may want to want to bring one in. He's let me bring in uh, Mo Batamer from Aldershot. He's let me bring in Jamal Chikwanda from Watford, which is fantastic. And there may be one more coming in. But I'm always looking. You know, when you do this job, you've got your eyes and ears <laughs> widely open. You've got your wits about you. You've got to know who's on form and who's not. And we're talking about all areas now. So, the levels below and the levels above, you know, you've got to have your ear to the ground. And we get out to games every week when we're not, we're not, you know, involved in any games ourselves. So, yeah, we, we, we have that opportunity at our disposal. And I'm sure 
in the coming weeks, things will, will open up and we'll see where we are. But yeah, the answer to your question is yes. You know, we do get out to games and yes, we can recruit and we can tweak if needed. When you are out and about and watching the game, do you watch it in a different way? Or is your coach's head always on analysing, even if it's not your side that's in action? For sure. You know, we obviously, sometimes we go and watch a player or we go and watch a team. I mean, for me, nine times out of ten, I'm going to watch a player. But at the same time, I'm having a look at the team that's playing. Like, for instance, a little while back, I went to see uh, Hayes P. He's talking yeah. way back, few few months back, and you know I thought Hayes were a hell of a side, and and Dawkins are too. But Hayes on the night just had that little bit of, little bit of more intelligence, a little bit more pace and power in their team. They moved the ball a bit quicker. You had the lad from Oxford on loan yeah. there. He 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 he, he done ever so well, and I and I keep my ear to the ground and see. And I was very very impressed with Hayes, and I think if they come up. You know, they're going to be a good acquisition. But at the same time, I was looking at a player and I was looking at the way Dawkins played. So, yeah, you've you got, you got to cover all angles, haven't you? And you've got to have people out there doing the job for you. So, so I'm guessing you're not the sort of person that you have to ask, or that you should ask, about whether he's watched the latest box set on Netflix. You probably don't get... So you probably just get home, shut no, your eyes, no, and that's you done. You know what? I try... I try not to watch as much football at home, and I have this discussion with Terry Harris. Terry's a football geek, you know, every day, every night he's watching football. If I get in and I've got a half hour, I'm going to watch a wildlife program or a documentary to try and switch off, to try and generate my brain in other areas. But, you know, the combination works well. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of Netflix and I haven't got time, but, you know, if I didn't enjoy the job that I do, I wouldn't do it. And if I wasn't good at it, the reason may be because I don't get out. I'm watching enough games and analyse bits and pieces. So, but I'm, I'm lucky because I've got a good backroom staff. You know, everyone's working tirelessly hard to make sure we get all areas covered and, and uh, we, we all push each other and sort of influence each other to do better. And, well, it's... It- it's always a pleasure to get you on, Hakan. And now something in my yeah. mind's going that maybe maybe there's a a future non-league documentary about the wildlife uh, over the walls <laughs> when when those ball collectors disappear. Maybe, maybe uh, yeah. I, could, I could get you doing some narration or something over the top of it. There's a lot. There's a lot of all out there. Let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hakan. Uh, thank you for joining us on the non-league football show. Uh, best of luck for the coming weeks, yeah. and we'll speak to you soon. So let's chat with a, a side doing well, well, really well. They're flying at the top of the Isthmian League. Uh, and let's get a slightly different take on, on what it's like to be uh, up the top uh, of, of one of these Step 3 divisions uh, with eyes on Step 2 promotion. Uh, this is a, a one of an owner. And uh, as fans of our clubs, we know about the highs and lows and uh, how success and failure on the pitch can impact on you. But what about if on top of all that, this was your little baby as well? It's a few years since we last spoke to my next guest, but his own unique story is on the edge of another twist. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the non-league football show, owner at Worthing FC, Mr. George Dow. Welcome, George. Hello, how are you doing? You all right? Good. Now, I don't want to dwell on, on, on it, but for those that, that may not remember or know, you were a very promising footballer, but at the age of 17, you were in an accident that left you paralysed from the chest down. And wanting to put your compensation money effectively to good use, you basically 
bought the club when it was at risk of disappearing. And at the age of 21, I think that's probably when we first spoke to you on this show, you became the, the youngest football club chairman in the country. But that was way back in 2014-2015 season. In a club with 129 years of history before you came in, even since then, it's been a busy old time. Do you regret any of it? No, no, I don't regret any of it. Obviously, there's been some moments where I thought, oh, what have I got myself into? And things that I wasn't necessarily expecting coming into uh, coming into being a chairman or an owner. As previously, I've just been a fan and a player. So there's a lot that happens behind the scenes I weren't expecting. But no, I certainly haven't regretted it. And it's been a, a great journey so far. And, and did you think, you, you know, you say you, you weren't aware as a player. And I, I'm constantly saying that to our players and... It, it, to be fair, probably a few people on the board as well. But um, th- th- there is so much that, that makes up a football club, isn't there? And uh, I, I, I don't think, e- even if people spent a whole week with people that run football clubs, they still wouldn't see every element and every bit that needs to be addressed and dealt with uh, on a daily and a weekly basis. No, yeah, I think you could spend yeah a lifetime down there and always find something new that has to happen uh, to enable a game to kick off at three o'clock on, the, in, on an afternoon. Uh, I think... Uh, obviously fans and stuff they turn up at quarter to three and leave at five o'clock or whatever and they think oh that's it but yeah there's a lot of uh, really good people and normally volunteers uh, during the week that especially in non-league that keep it ticking and make sure that uh, these games are able to go ahead yeah there's yeah, so much that goes on and that certainly I wasn't expecting mm. and you previously already started an, another club down, down the pyramid was, was that experience vital in being able in, enabling you to help the, the Worthing FC move forward so quickly as it has. It was no, it's, yeah. I started the team uh, when I first, well, when I came out to hospital, just a group of friends really. We just started at the bottom of the pyramid uh, called Worthing Borough, and that definitely did help me to understand some of what goes on uh, at Worthing. Obviously, there's there's more to it, but in terms of like uh, the forms and stuff that needs filling out before a game, and then the forms that you have to send off after a game, and uh, almost like the secretarial role during the week of things that need to be done if you're signing players and all that sort of stuff. They, they obviously all the way down the pyramid you have to do it as well. But uh, yeah, the higher up you go, obviously the more uh, I guess stringent some of them rules are and some of that paperwork is. But yeah, no, it definitely gave me a good insight to to what to expect. And uh, the, in terms of the footballing paperwork, yeah. And, and I, I'm guessing, like me, that the secretarial role is not one that you're ever going to put your hand up and offer to do. No, admin is not my strong suit. I have to admit straight away. No, it's not. We've got a good guy, Bass, who does that for us. Uh, and obviously, when you, when you first came up with the idea of, of helping the club, did you have any plan in your head as to where you wanted the club to get to? Yeah, well, when I first came in, uh, me and a guy called Calvin, who was at the club at the time and was a big part of, um, yeah, why? I, well, not why I got involved, but a big part of helping me to uh, get well, get a meeting with the board and put my idea to them. We kind of had a five-year plan that we wanted to try and get the club promoted yeah, twice twice in five years. And then we had the, the 3G pitch going down and trying to bring in the community and uh, widen our outreach, as it were, into the community and get more people coming down there. So that was our plan. That, that's, that was our vision of where we wanted to get to. And we kind of managed to get our first promotion in the first year. And then we were on to get uh, our second promotion in the fifth year, but it got obviously null and voided because mm. of because of COVID. 
So actually, in, in terms of, you know, I said you were you were the youngest chairman, but in terms of uh, chairman and, and sticking down, you know, what what their plan is, you, you've, you've pretty much uh, achieved probably more than anybody, uh, most of the other chairmen that I speak on this, this show week in, week out. Yeah, well, I say I'm not. I'm not the actual chairman anymore. So yeah, Barry, yeah. Uh, Barry Hunter, who is now, and he's obviously he's doing a really good job and he's uh, improved us off the pitch massively in the in the eighteen months, the two years that he's he's been involved. But in terms of yeah, our, our plan. This is our. If we complete this season and nothing nothing else happens, this will be our fifth completed season so I take that as a win and that we got our two promotions in five years I, I was going to come on to uh, uh, Barry uh, uh, Hunter but having the chairman role now because you, you, you're still the owner but you've, you've handed that over is that simply because you've got other things on away, away from the club or is it all about building your team and getting the right people in the right places yeah it's about building the team I think like uh, when I first got involved uh, we had a yeah, very small team of people that would help out on a match day and uh, and and during the week and we just needed to, in terms of like growth, like we started off with maybe 200, 250 to 300 people, and now we're getting regularly over, sort of, well, in and around 1,500 people again. And obviously, the operation that goes in behind that has to be uh, better, and we needed more people. And at the time, yeah, like I said earlier, admin and stuff maybe isn't my my strong suit. And I felt like if I could just focus on, I do a lot of like the marketing and the social media stuff, which is what I I prefer to do. And then if, and Barry's experience, he had a long time at Loxwood and his uh, professional experience, he's like the perfect man for the job as, as a chairman. And he's, he's since proved that with all that he's achieved at the club so far. Yeah, and, and it, is, it is one of those clubs that, you know, people like myself involved in another club do look on admiringly at. Not not when you beat us in the FA Cup earlier this year, but, you know, <laughs> you were far the better, the better side on, on the field and uh, and did what you needed to do. But um, the community has always been key for you and you've got some exciting initiatives in place and, and they're all thriving. Uh, the, the 3G has brought about remarkable turnaround in the fortunes of the club uh, uh, as, as a business too. Uh, but obviously that didn't come uh, without its own problems too. Yeah, yeah, the 3G pitch was a, a big part of my plan initially. Was I wanted to build a 3G pitch and make a uh, a community football centre for for anyone uh, that played football could use it. And it's just meant that we can now open seven days a week. We have different community clubs using the pitch, and it's it's opened our doors, as it were, to to the whole community, and everyone can use it. And then they can maybe use the facilities uh, on a Wednesday night, and then they go, oh, we got a game Saturday, and then could they come down and watch it? All that sort of stuff that feeds in, into that, but yeah, that did have its own problems because uh, well, they're, they're our original contractors maybe um, I, I don't know what yeah maybe messed up in a few areas. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we spoke to you on this show about that. There were there were a few uh, issues where, where, where it didn't work as it should have, should it really as a three G? Yeah, but yeah, that's just, yeah it's, it wasn't as smooth sailing as it, as it could and should have been. But um, yeah, and Barry has been instrumental in in. Uh, changing that around for us and getting uh, backing from uh, FIFA and stuff to, to help us put that right. So, yeah, the pitch now is uh, probably one of the, the better ones, certainly we've visited. And I like what you said there, that it, it, it's about, you know, maybe lads coming in uh, midweek, playing a game on there and then thinking, oh, the game on Saturday will come along and that... So often when, when you hear people talking about, oh, we must get a 3G pitch because we can have, you know, five games a week and, uh, and, and earn revenue that way, which is great. If you want to be a uh, a venue for other people to play football at, but you, you you're building a football club and you've built a football club based around that three G, so you're using the three G as your marketing tool. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly that. It's enabled us to have youth teams down there and uh, yeah, community community clubs down there, walking football, all, all sorts of things that we do down there now. And all these people are probably maybe had never been to the club before. They come down, experience the facilities and maybe like what they see in the bar and they think, oh, yeah, I'd like to come back here. What else goes on here? And then, yeah, well, we've got a game Saturday or we've got a quiz night coming up or whatever, whatever we've got going on. They can see it all there. They've been to the facility. They know what it's like. They know what to expect. And then they yeah they come back hopefully to a game and enjoy the atmosphere and then they keep coming that's that's always been the plan and uh, certainly in the first five six seven years that I've been involved it certainly seems to be working year on year because our crowds are going up and I think it helps that our manager and players are doing a great job on the pitch but I think what we're doing off the pitch is a big big part of that as well. Yeah, and and after those the, the disappointment of the aborted seasons, uh, you, you, you know, uh, twelve games to go, six points clear at the top of the Isthmian Premier, a game in hand, and you go to second place, Bishop Stortford on Saturday. Are you getting excited now? What what the next chapter may hold? Um, I don't know if I'm getting excited because well, it, certainly as a club, I can say we're, we're planning. Um, if it's this year or not we, we as a club want to make that next step into the National League so we're planning off the pitch for it uh, whether that happens this year or not I don't want to apply any pressure to Adam and the players <laughs> obviously I hope it does and it is an exciting time we've got 12 like you say 12 games to go uh, we're in a really strong position we've got three really tough games coming up though we've got Bishop Stortford then we've got Enfield and then Lewis away so three of the top well, three of yeah, I think yeah, they're yeah, all in the top four. It's the, the, the top, the top four all, all playing each, each other, which is a, yeah, an amazing so feat at this time of year. If, if we can get through uh, into the middle of March and we've taken, I don't know, six or seven points from these games, obviously we want to win them all. But uh, yeah, even if we take six or seven points from them three games, we're in a really, really strong position and hopefully, um, yeah, leave us with nine games left to go and hopefully it will be a really strong position and hard to lose, as it were. Yeah, and you you mentioned you know, the management team, you've mentioned uh, uh, Barry, other people around you. That is it this time of the season, we've got tough games like that, that you know, week in, week out, that where the management team and, and, and the squad and also those people off the field really come into their own because yeah, you're asking a lot of people, really, to, to get the, mo- the maximum out of them at, at peak time. I don't know. I think it depends on the kind of season you're having because obviously so so far, touch wood, we've had a, a pretty good season with obviously doing well. I think a lot of people are excited and they want, they want to help. They want to be a part of the journey and, and push it on. I think maybe uh, a few years back when uh, we first got promoted into this league and we, we started quite slowly and it was tough and, and, then, it, and then I really feel like uh, everyone pulls together all the people that uh, all the volunteers that help out you really 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 appreciate what they're doing because you know what I mean it's not always enjoyable when you're, you're traveling god knows where on a, on a Tuesday night and it's freezing and then you lose 4-0 and, and you've got to come back and and then they're, and they're there again Saturday to help you again but yeah I just, I just think all the volunteers regardless of what's going on I think they're all uh, brilliant and you know, what they do is invaluable really and clubs like ours and many non-league clubs wouldn't be able to function without them so yeah definitely uh, it breeds its own little community within the club that yeah, it's almost like a little little family yeah and you, you took over the, i think the club was what two hundred thousand pounds in debt when you took over there you, you've transformed the facilities the, the people behind the scenes as well the community off the field uh, that's all back and sort of thriving as far as i can see 
can the club sustain itself at the next level? You say you, you're putting plans in place. Uh, you know, more and more step two clubs are effectively running as full-time professional outfits. It is that next level sustainable for a club like Worthing? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think so. Um, what we're doing off the pitch, and when I say planning, I mean in terms of like ground grading and stuff like that and making sure that we're compliant with the league above. And obviously we, we'd hate to be in a position where we gain promotion on the pitch, but off the pitch we weren't able to access it because we haven't got the, the right facility. So we're, yeah, we're definitely planning in terms of that and, and yeah, planning our, our, we're not necessarily planning our budgets just yet around it, but I'd like to think we, even with the team we've got and the budget that we have, we can um, we can compete at the level above. The teams we've played from the level above, we've, we've looked good in the games and we haven't struggled. I mean, where that leaves us in terms of a league position, I don't know, but yeah, we'd, we'd look to, to push on and I think we'd be sustainable in the, in the league above. Yeah. And, and what we're doing off the pitch is improving all the time. So hopefully we can yeah, keep driving revenue and, and, and be competitive in the league above. And, and how far can Worthing FC go? I tell a lot of people ask me this. And I, I don't know. I don't actually know. I, there wouldn't be at any point or any league that we got to where we go, okay, let's just stop. <laughs> let's consolidate. I think everyone involved uh, from the committee up even yeah, well, even managers, players, every, everyone's ambitious at the club. As a committee, we definitely want to keep driving when football club forward. And yeah, I don't think I don't see it in the people that we've got on board to go. Okay, we've got to this level now. Let's just let's consolidate here and just stop what we're doing. I think we'd always just keep pushing. And if that meant that we had to, I don't know, improve the facilities further, or I don't know, find find different facilities somewhere. If we got, I don't know, it's crazy talk. But if we got like League Two football at any point. Do you know what I mean? If we had to find new facilities or... Yeah, I think we'd always try and find a solution to, to keep progressing. I don't think there's any there's any ceiling, as it were. I, 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 yeah, I think that other, otherwise we wouldn't be keep doing it every week, if we yeah, can, exactly. week out, well, we? what's the point if you just want to sit still? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, George, uh, always fantastic to get you on the show. Uh, uh, thanks for g- giving us some time and, and talking to us. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get you back on the non-league football show very soon. Yeah, cool. Thank you for having me. Uh, now, we like to run stories about the magic of non-league, and every now and then there's something a little different that comes along. As all the message boards are alive with the apparent uprising crowds across non-league clubs, uh, some of that may be down to the fact that clubs are doing much more to try and attract people through the doors. This week, we learned of three new mascots operating in the Isthmian League. Chesson revealed Amber the Lion on their trip to Stockport County in the FA Trophy last weekend. And Bedfont Sports have unveiled Eddie the Eagle, who hopefully won't be too much of a menace for neighbouring Heathrow Airport. But the other one had a special little twist, and I thought that worthy of a chat. So let's welcome to the Non-League Football Show, Faye Hackwell, Marketing and Communications Executive at Ashford United. Welcome, Faye. Hello, thanks for having me on. Well, it's good to get you on, Faye. And I said your mascot tail, it's got a slightly different twist. Tell us about Ash the Tree and how we came about. Well, the club hadn't had a mascot for quite a few few years and we wanted a way of spreading the word around Ashford about the club a way of engaging new people and also we wanted something that would improve our match day experience and I've got young children myself and I know when I bring them to football it's not all about the 90 minutes of action on the pitch it's got to be the banter you have with the stewards it's got to be is there some decent food and all that extra match day entertainment that really helps so whether it's 
child mascots or crossbar challenge, something like that. I think it all adds to our overall memories of the day. So I thought a mascot would be a really good idea. And the best way to tell everyone about what we were doing was to hold a competition. So um, we made a video that told a little bit about the history of the club and the surrounding area of Ashford. And we sent it out to all the schools to show in their assemblies or to send home in the newsletter for parents to do with the children. And then there was a worksheet where the children had to draw their mascot, give it a name and tell us why it was a good mascot for our club. And we had about 300 entries, which was really good and amazingly imaginative ideas. Some of them, there was no way they could be made into a costume. (laughs) Some of them were pretty petrifying and would not have engaged children. And some of them were absolutely amazing. So um, we then got a panel of judges together from the club and we sat down and had loads of fun going through them. And then um, eventually Ash the Tree came out as the winner. And, and, and Ash the Tree as well, an impressive debut uh, in the Isthmian uh, South East Division on Saturday, inspiring a 4-0 win. But it's one of those things that in non-league, I'm a fan, you're a fan, but fans of non-league, we, we, we tend to be impatient. And uh, this has taken a number of months, hasn't it, to get this far? Yeah, it has actually. Yeah, we had the idea at the beginning of the season and then um, October, November, when the schools were all um, putting their entries in. And then we had a wonderful costume maker um, from Mimics Productions who came on the panel of judges because we wanted to make sure it was something she could physically make into a costume. And she gave us a bit of advice on what would work. And then it took her a couple of months to get all the materials and get it together. And um, yeah, he arrived uh, beginning of February. So we did a a lovely launch at the winner's school where we got the press along. And um, then Ash made his big debut at the match against Seven Oaks, which was wonderful because he was there dancing on the halfway line just as the team were about to kick off. And it was one of our most convincing performances of the season. So already uh, quite a celebrity. uh, I think Asher Tree's got his own social media accounts as well. I mean, it's uh, bookings for other community uh, events and all first uh, first team home home fixtures. Um, This is sort of, again, a long-term plan for for the club to develop this community engagement. Yeah, definitely. He's going to be there at, you know, all kind of fates, all these sorts of things. At the moment, he's going around all the schools that entered and handing out runner-up certificates and family tickets to loads of the children that took part. So hopefully that's bringing a load of new people into the club. And the girl who designed him, Phoebe Clark-Tate, who's 11, she um, wrote on her form that she wanted Ash to be an eco-friendly mascot as well. So he's going to be planting a few trees. He's going to be doing some litter picks. He's going to be trying to get involved in all of that sort of community activity as well. And I imagine Phoebe's something of a celebrity as well. Yes, she really is, actually. And um, she came along a few days after winning the competition. We held a big girls tournament for year five and six pupils. And Phoebe, who is not that much of a football fan, came along and played. And it really wasn't her thing because Ash the Tree was there cheering her on. She came and joined in, which was great. And that's, again, one of those added benefits, you know, it, it, it's non-league football isn't about football. That's what I always try and... Uh, tell people it's about the community it's about the people that you meet it's the it's about the thing the, the things you learn I mean the fact you know I, I've careered off the road I've had so many different uh, jobs and whatever but to be someone that makes mascot costumes now that, that that's something I, I wish I'd known about now when I was uh, filling in my careers form when I was at school Oh, absolutely. This lady, Sally Prezik, she's made the Pontipines in the Night Garden. She's made all sorts of um, CBeebies characters, all sorts of ones for like reality TV programmes. When you look on her website, you say, oh, wow. And then there's Ash the Tree. I think it's one of the only competitions she's taken part in. Um, and she made a wonderful mini Ash the Tree that ended up being the prize that we gave to Phoebe as well, which was really good. And, and you know, in the past on this show, we, we've... Uh... 
we've spoken to a few mascots. Mainly that they've been the ones that have competed and uh, at various uh, race courses up and down the country in mascot races and that. But I guess we've ne- never really analysed the, uh, the the pros and cons of mascots. I think you're something of, of an expert in this field. Now, uh, am I right in thinking that non-league fans may have already uh, met you, maybe as Spitty the Dog of Newport they- County? They may well have met me as Spitty the Dog. I used to work as a journalist on the local paper in Newport and the person who'd been Spitty the Dog for a number of years had um, retired. I think his family had said, come on, you've been Spitty the Dog for enough time now. So I stepped in and did a feature on it for the paper and had a couple of games of Spitty the Dog. And I have to say, uh, I got in the costume and it was the first game I did. It was August. It was a friendly, pre-season friendly, and it was boiling hot. And the thing is, you come out and you can't just stand still when you're the mascot. You're constantly in character and you've got all the children coming up to you. And I burst into this dance routine to um, Alicia Dixon. Does he wash up? He never washes up. And then suddenly the fans are all on their feet and you think, oh, no, I've got to keep going now for like the whole three minutes of the song. And I think there's a film of it somewhere. And it was great when I was doing it, but I remember just dripping in sweat and just coming in at the end. And then um, they stopped everyone in the bar when the match had finished and they brought me in and said, can anyone guess who this, I was about 22 years old, who this girl was today? And no one could guess and said, this was Spitty the dog and no one could believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, looking back to, to some of my visits to Spitty uh, Park uh, in Newport over the years with uh, Hazen Yedin, uh, I mean, it could get fairly volatile there as well. It, it, uh, dressing up in a large dog outfit was uh, probably fairly one of the bravest things you've ever done that, uh, and probably attracted a fair bit of stick. But have perceptions changed over the years in, in regards to mascots? Yeah, definitely. I think that it's all about what you make of it. It's all about the amount of fun you want to have. And social media is great for that these days. I mean, um, Mighty Red, the Liverpool mascot, had a bit of banter with Ash the Tree on Instagram last week. And it's just nice that, you know, you can think of something funny for Ash the Tree to be doing that day that is related or not related to the football. And just all the time, it's just building up his character, engaging local people. And the main thing is just to hopefully get more fans coming to the club and tell more people about the joys of non-league football. That's the whole aim of it. Yeah, as an awareness tool, it it does... uh look like it's already doing its job. But I mean, I guess the big question is, is uh, has Ash the Tree managed to get a smile out of Tommy Warrelow yet? He has actually, yes. He got Hello Darling as Tommy Warrelow walked off to the bench. So yes, he has got a smile from him. <laughs> well, I think I've tried for years to try and get a smile out of Tommy Warrelow. And uh, yeah, he's... <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, a, a, a great manager that, that knows... Um, the, all the different elements of, of, of building a football club. And that's one of the things that, that you're doing uh, down at the football club, isn't it? In a, uh, It's a bit of fun, but in terms of marketing for a non-league club, it's also very good business. Yes, absolutely. I think um, we've just brought a new sponsor on board and they're a local bus company. And already I've been talking to them about let's get Ash the Tree to come on a bus and we'll do some pictures and meet some of the um, people getting on the bus. And it just adds a bit, it's something visual, it's something quite fun and it opens up what you can do as a club. And we're hoping to get him involved in there's the big um, mascot race, which takes place in Weatherby every year. So at some point, um, Ash the Tree will be doing that. And I've actually run the London Marathon in a flamingo costume before. So um, having worn Ash the Tree, I'm not sure I'll be breaking the four hour barrier. But um, who knows? Ash the Tree may well do the London Marathon at some point. (laughs) Well, that's certainly uh, something that we'll be looking out for. And I... I recall uh, my own twins once being reduced to tears as toddlers uh, going into Eastbourne Borough. I think 
think it was the eight foot uh, Ollie the Owl back then. I think I think Sammy the Sunshine's taken over down at Eastbourne since. But I mean, is there a technique or an insider's guide to being a mascot so that you're more loved than feared? I think it's being cheeky. So it's seeing a situation thinking, can I go and tap that person on the back? Or, you know, how, how far can I push this without annoying people? It's having a really big repertoire of dance moves because you can't run out. You've got to have lots of different things to do. And it's spotting who wants to engage with you. You haven't always got the best vision because you've obviously only got like the eyes or the mouth or something to look out. So you've got to be really aware of who's around you. Don't knock any small children over. Make sure you don't get beer spilt on the costume because it costs a lot of money and it's not easy to clean. And um, yeah, I think just being in character and being fun and just enjoying it. If you enjoy it, everyone else is going to enjoy it. And like, no one can not wave and say hello to Ash the Tree. He's got a lovely big smile, big engaging eyes. He makes everyone smile. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I said it's part of your engagement and try and bring everybody uh, together uh, under the Ashford United uh, banner. Lots, lots going on off the field. Uh, the new Supporters Association recently uh, had its first meeting as well. Yes, yes, we've just um, newly launched. I think because of the pandemic, a lot of things like that slowed down. So just relaunched the Support Association, got big plans for non-league day, lots of activities going on in the background, face painting, extra entertainment, local choirs, dance groups coming to perform, Yeah, just to make it a really big day and hopefully draw in those people that have thought about going to football before, not giving it a try, but might come and then hopefully come back. And um, one of the things I help run is the child mascots. And that's great because we get loads of people who've never been to the club before, but the children come in, get to go in the changing rooms and meet the players for autographs, get to walk out with the team, join in the warm up. And that's really special for both the parents and the children as well. And we're also doing a scheme at the moment where um, community groups and charities can apply for um, their group to come along for free to one of our matches. And we write a feature about them in the programme, put a bit about them on the website and they get to come in and enjoy, enjoy a free day out. And hopefully they'll come back as well. And we've got a centre just down the road from the stadium that's for unaccompanied asylum seeker children who've just come into the country. And they're, while they're there, they're being interviewed about their journey. And a lot of them haven't seen any of England before, but they come in on the coach and they all come and get dropped off and they come in and enjoy a match for free. And sort of seeing their faces that they've, you know, they've heard about English football on TV and suddenly they're here in the stadium and that's it. The universal language of football. And and, and of course, yeah. yeah, great business going on off the field then with the you know, various initiatives. But on the field, Ashford currently fourth with a game in hand. Um, could Ash the tree be the missing piece of the jigsaw for that promotion push? He could be, he could be, yeah. Results up till Christmas were really good and we were on and off the top of the table and then Hastings have had a really good run. And I think there's only about five points now separating second and sixth. So there's one of those teams in the mix with us that aren't going to make the playoffs. So who knows? Hastings are only six points clear at the top and anything can happen. There's quite a few games left, but hopefully having Ash there and Ash is going to go on the road as well, hopefully, for some of the away games and hopefully the playoffs. Um, it would be amazing. That's all the excitement at the end of the season, isn't it? Trying to build up to where that final positioning is going to be. Yeah, and and, and it's great to hear that you're you're engaging the, the next generation of non-league footballers and non-league fans. And you know, I, 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 I'm still worried that sometimes I'm the oldest one that ever goes into a boardroom uh, across non-league. And yeah, we need we need to get new people along. And the fact that you know, as a 22 year old, you were dressed up in a in a mascot con- uh, costume down in, in non-league, and you're still involved is, is a great story as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always wanted to work in football and actually just went through cancer just before the pandemic. And that was my I'd always worked in news journalism. And I thought, no, I've always wanted to work in football. If I get through this and get better, that's what I'm going to go and do. And now here I am 
living the dream working in non-league football it, it is the dream and it's brilliant to get you on as well Faye and great to great, great to have you involved in non-league football um just remind everybody where, where they can you know maybe follow Ash the Tree and uh, and and everything he's about to get up to yeah, he's Ash the Tree, AUFC, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And he is, as far as we know, the only tree in English football who's a mascot. There is a university in America, Stanford University, who have a tree as their mascot. But they're the only people I've found from a lot of Googling that have a tree. So we could well be one of the only tree mascots in the world. And from uh, what small acorns uh, grow uh, uh, huge trees. Well, maybe not ash trees, but uh, uh, certainly uh, uh, he'll be branching out, I'm sure. Uh, uh, Faye Hackwell from Ashford United, thanks for joining us on the Non-League Football Show. Thanks for having me on. So rounding off uh, this week's news, it's time to head on over to Non-League Paper Towers. Uh, and uh, it's a welcome back to the Non-League Football Show. Editor at large at the Non-League Paper, Mr Matt Badcock. Welcome back, Matt. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me back. Hey, well, it's a pleasure to get you on. And uh, I guess let's start, as we so often do, with a managerial merry-go-round. It doesn't seem as busy. I don't know whether people have run out of tokens or that. But uh, uh, Merthyr Town, struggling in the Southern Premier South. They, they've, uh, they were busy before the transfer deadline uh, closing Wales, which we spoke about, you know, that affecting the Welsh clubs. But, but it hasn't really made much of a difference. And Dean Clark has been relieved of his duties there. His assistant, Steve Williams, and midfielder uh, Ma- uh, Matty Harris uh, are taking interim charge there. I'm not sure that those. I understand someone's got to take uh, take over, and the, they're you know probably not going to avoid relegation. But I'm not sure those sort of changes ever really make a big difference. Yeah, I mean it's a really difficult difficult season for the club at the moment. Um, he's coming off the back of a, a difficult time as well. Obviously, they set out the season, didn't they, because of COVID, and I guess it's just sort of frustrating for everybody that they, the results weren't gone as as well as they would have liked, and um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they, you know, just trying to, you know, do like you said, put a lot of lot of effort and time in, and sometimes it doesn't just doesn't quite quite happen. And it's you know been a tough period for for the club. Um, and of course, they're hoping that they can just something can happen. It's sort of looking for sometimes only just a spark at this stage of the season. Um, so they're quite a little way off at the moment. And when Bourne sort of drift a little bit, really. Um, but it's kind of like do or die now that we've won two games all season. That sort of shows what kind of a kind of a year it's been, I guess. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think my club uh, won a club. We, we we had a good result against them, but the, yeah, you look at their the, the goals that they've conceded. Um, what sixty nine goals in, in in thirty games? It it probably shows how tight all these divisions are. That they're a club that you're saying beginning to get uh, cast adrift there at the bottom, but. There's not too many hammerings, or or or, or if there are hammerings, that they're across the field. You know, clubs clubs are beating the other clubs um, against the form guide and, and against the table positions. It's not Hayes and Yedin dishing out the hammerings in in that division, like you say, isn't it? You've scored seventy five goals this season. Not bad in thirty games. It's not. It's not bad. I mean, there's been plenty of goal. Plenty of goals gone in. Um, it, it's just uh, yeah. We're, we're, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to think that we're not going to get to uh, the stage of a season where uh, you know clubs are conceding a hundred goals in in, in the season. Uh, mm. um, and I guess that's where a new manager maybe yeah maybe able to uh, get something out of the the lads that are there and say, look, 
they're obviously fairly close in most of these games, and it's just that extra tweak, these small margins that managers always talk about, um, and, and that may, may make a differential and, and just at least put them in a, a, a positive mindset going into into the next season. Yeah, exactly. I think they say there's been some young players that have gone down that route this year, and they sort of brought some players in uh, recently as well, which kind of haven't quite quite helped tip, tip the balance the other way. So. You know, it's, um, I think it was one of those always going to be a difficult task starting again from the very beginning after after sitting the year out because of the COVID restrictions. I mean, you know, it's such a proud club, proud name, and um, you know, a few issues a few years ago I managed to get get through it. And they were Gavin Williams, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of one of those maybe see how they see how they can get on, and maybe they are starting to look at ahead to the new season and kind of trying to bounce back and come a, come again and. And see how that you know, see if they can sort of build up a stronger, stronger base. Yeah, and and talking of uh, yeah, you know, sort of old, old old names, proud clubs, and that sort of thing. An old face has, has returned to Mangersfield United uh, this week. Phil Bate uh, back in situ as the manager there. Uh, we talk so often about young managers coming through, uh, uh, and I'm sure Phil won't mind me saying that he's one of the more experienced kind. You know, he's someone that. I probably interviewed many years ago. Um, uh, I think he's 66 years old now. There are two previous spells as caretaker boss at Bristol Rovers, so plenty of experience. Uh, uh, but that experience also includes the glory years at Mangotsfield uh, uh, when he was in charge uh, 20, oh, 2009 to 2012. Uh, when I remember, I did lots of reporting uh, about the club making the FA Cup fourth qualifying round uh, uh, and the Southern League uh, Division One playoffs at the time. So nice to see his return and, and hope still there for some of us of more mature years it sort of feels like a bit of a young man's game though, isn't it, management? <laughs> um, a lot of clubs kind of go looking to go that go that route and sort of, sort of trend you kind of see it in the in the football league as well but um, yeah there's still a still a place for that experience and that experience with their sort of situation there at the moment obviously struggling down down the, the table the um, seven division one south so you know that sort of experience and that you know calmness that you know that, that level of knowledge can bring can hopefully um, hopefully they'll be hoping they can uh, push them up the table. You know they're not not sort of particularly far off. There's only a few points and it's really quite tight down there. So they're hoping that kind of gets that gets that reaction. And like I say there's still a place for the experienced managers. And I was talking to Russ Penn recently about the uh, obviously with Kidderminster. He was sort of joke with. Um, you know, older players when they go to management, you go from being an old player into a young into a young manager. And Russ is obviously one of those now, so he's a young manager. But he was talking kind of about the influences and the people that he kind of looks to, and he was talking about some of the experienced managers and he's been in the game at the top levels for such a long time. People like Warner, Steve Bruce, and Sam Allardyce. Saying, you know, there's a reason people sort of cast them aside as as dinosaurs and things, and you know, there's a reason why those people have been in been involved in the game game for so long. And, you know, it's the same in non-league. There's, there's people who've been in the game for many, many years and given given their lives to it, and uh, you know, they're still you know, still valued as well. So it's good to see. Yeah, and uh, we spoke to uh, Hakan Hayretin at uh, uh, Maidson earlier on in the show, and uh, it was interesting that some of the points that he's made that, that he's matured as a manager, matured as a as a person, and sort of you know uh, maybe doesn't get as wound up as he used to, and it, it, you know, and he's got. You know, clearly the success that he's having at, at Mason this year, he, he's still got plenty to give, and uh, I, I, I'd still count him in, in one of those younger managers as well. Well, this is the thing with Hack. Yeah, you know, he's sort of almost kind of um, probably people don't really. You sort of can almost forget how much kind of experience he's he's had. You know, he's a player, and what he, you know, Wickham, he's playing with Martin O'Neill, and he's 
trophy and all that kind of thing. And, and he's gone into management. He had years at, um, he was, um, at Grays, wasn't he? Mm. Um, and obviously Farrick before that, where he had a long, long spell. John Steele's management team at, at Luton when they won promotion, you know, he's, he's kind of seen, seen it all really in his, in his time back and, um, you know, just, just 52, just kept over the 50, 50 marks, but going incredibly well at May today. And I spoke to him, um, just before, before Christmas and, um, you know, they were going ticking along nicely then and, Kind of, they got through a little bit of a rough patch and were uh, right back up there, and you know that sort of experience and kind of what he's what he's doing at Maidstone, and you know, sort of big big job there, and you know, big expectation, big crowd. And if you saw any of the BT Sport um, uh, Gaffer's documentary that they did, and and Maidstone were featured on there when they were sort of struggling at the, the bottom of the National League when Hack went in with John John Steele, and that was a real real rebuild job, and it kind of changed the whole whole squad and the uh, club around really and uh, Afghan's you know right in the thick of a interest in the National League South title race and so Dorking a couple of weeks ago look like streak away of it and that now it's down to at least three points on Maidstone and Maidstone have got a game in hand so and uh, Dartford have got a game in hand on Dorking and Oxford above them as well not far not too far back so really fascinating um division at the moment mm. and and you know it, it just shows that the, the strength of non-league at the moment and uh, uh there was one other big managerial move a, a, a managerial shock i think it's fair to say uh, andy peaks uh, he's chosen to depart from afc russian and diamonds where i think he's been there since may 2012 on the coaching staff and uh, and as the gaffer what since march 2014 russian and diamonds currently in the playoffs in the Southern League Premier Central, um, but he's decided to leave and take over at Tamworth, who are currently battling relegation in the same division. Um, uh, It's an 18-month contract, I understand, and I guess he sees greater potential if they can stay up this season. Yeah, I think it's when that news came came out the other night, one that kind of stopped in your tracks. That's um, that's a big big change. um as you say, he's been there a long time. He's just, he was with Mark Starmer before at the beginning of the club when they, were, um, as they re, uh, as they recant, they came up the league after a rebirth from, from everything that happened with Russian and Diamond. So I guess, you know, the fact, how much he's done there, how much he's been, you know, how long he's been there for and mm-hmm. what he's kind of been, been part of would have made this a very, very difficult decision. And yes, um, it kind of shows, you know, the lure of Tamworth and what a name they are as well. Um, you know, we're having a really, really tough season, kind of, you know, one that would have been expecting to be pushing for promotion. And as we've talked now, they're, they're 18th in the table, uh, five points above the relegation um, line. So that does show how hard it's been there this season. Obviously, club not that long ago, we were in um, the National League and kind of fallen down. And that sort of shows their potential that they can kind of get back there. And I guess that sometimes you have to, to look at that that like big long term picture, and I guess that he's he'll be feeling that he can he's taken AFC Russian Diamonds as far as he can, and Tamworth is too good an opportunity to to turn down. But yeah, I imagine a very difficult decision. Whoever comes in at, at Russian and Diamonds will be will be taking over. You know, getting that rare opportunity as a manager to take over a, a squad that's flying high and right in the in the thick of a promotion race. So interesting move and. Um, 
it'll be fascinating to kind of see how how the rest of the season plays out for both sides. Mm. Well, and talking talking of promotion races, uh, obviously the uh, another uh, big weekend in in the national league. Uh, second place Chesterfield against fifth place Solihull Moors. I guess uh, probably the big game. But we we got Friday night football as well. Southend uh, Grimsby uh, as well, just as a little precursor to that and. Uh, um, I mean, every week we talk about the, the top of the National League there, and uh, I think every week that I have a my own different views on it. It, it, it it's it, it seems to be moving, it seems to be shifting, and I, there is there's something at the back of my mind thinking one of these clubs that are just outside the playoffs uh, could possibly be the one that that that, that, that sneaks in and then maybe uh, grabs a, uh, the the playoff uh, final win. Yeah, in front of everyone. Name on everyone's lips at the moment is South End, as you say. I mean, they've um, they've brought the turnaround's kind of been remarkable. I mean, you go from <laughs> not that long ago, you know, looking across social media, and it was real doom and gloom and frustration. And are they going to are they going to go down again? Kind of sort of saying, you know, are they going to slip right through? Um, and it just all felt like a, a really sort of bleak, a bleak situation. You know, people saying, I'm struggling to adapt to life in non-league and everything that comes with it and kind of what a big scout they are for people but recent weeks um, Kevin Mayer's going in there obviously John Steele's kind of gone in behind the scenes as well uh, Mark Bentley went with when Kevin went in with from Canby and his experience and then Darren Curran his experience of of uh, the National League and they you know some good signings that they've made have kind of gone down that sort of different route you can see kind of where John Steele's Anyway, he's made success in the past going down and finding players from lower down and they've had Anwar Udin's kind of been there sort of helping them with that sort of side of stuff as well and we've signed Callum Powell from Kettering who's ripping it up in the, in the National League law Harry Cardwell from Chorley who's such an important player for them and you know really uh, Norhusen's gone from Dartford and you know what talent he is and obviously he's played at that level but come down and got his chance again to, to go into full-time football so they really turned it around and they've kind of not so much going under the radar really because when you, you know, I think there's sort of 10 games unbeaten when you mm. go on kind of a run like that it's difficult to go under the radar but they've kind of really shut up that up the division um, still a little way outside it but it's just kind of that form that they're in and now eight points as we speak now there's some game teams above them have got games in hand but whether they make it or not is um, kind of probably kind of looking really is feeling a lot better around the club and if they don't make it then it's almost a bit like late in a few years ago when they first came down that season sort of struggled to get their get their feet a little bit but finished the season well and then the next year um, with hopes of promotion obviously they went and went and won the league but you know, sometimes you have to look at that bigger wider picture but at the moment that's not that's not going to be anyone's thoughts there they're going to be thinking about about getting in there I mean it's been the same for Torquay difficult really difficult um Start to the season stuttering and kind of a bit inconsistent for the, the knock on from the from last year's playoff final, which was so late, which you know they lost on a penalty shootout to Hartlepool, and the game goes either way. But such a such a late uh, late game in the in the year it was in June that the game was played, and really give them Gary Johnson much time. A few players went out, and big, some of their big players moved on, and uh, to kind of you know get rebuild a little bit and, and come again. But they've really been in a good run of form recently as well and they've sort of pushed themselves right up there and that just shows how wide open open this table this, uh, this division is um, you say Southend uh, welcoming Grimsby on Friday night and Grimsby not that long ago were feeling great about life and they were going well and started well in the um, 
having come down. Obviously, they came down together, didn't they, from from League Two? But at the moment, they've sort of slipped to slip down a little bit. So it's a fascinating um, run in, and uh, Chester Chesterfield Solihull on on Saturday, as you say. I mean, Chesterfield, huge huge blow mm. um, with the you know awful injury to Cavi Shimani. It's such a you know it's horrible to see, really. Uh, you know, I had an operation yesterday and. It looks to me to be out for a, for quite a while. Um, and it's such a such a shame to see a player who's really, you know, red hot form and scored 25 goals in all competitions this season, 24 in the national league. You know, could have he could have probably got a move in in January, but you know, thing didn't happen. But you know, looking in the summer, if Chesterfield didn't get up, or if they do, could, could easily be playing championship championship. You know, starting in the championship team next season. And, and such a cruel, cruel injury to to, to end this season, and that's a real is a real blow for Chesterfield because he's so important for their goals. As you Paul Cook coming in now, it's kind of something um, our columnists and BT Sport expert Adam Virgo was kind of hinting that before um, before the news of the Shimanga injury that kind of they need to try and get some more more goals from elsewhere around the pitch to kind of help and lighten that load on on Shimanga, and, and now that comes along as a a real, a real blow, and really, really sort of, you know, not what you want to see. You want to see them sort of run into the sea and all the all the big guns out there firing. And such a shame. And I'm sure he'll come back. I'm sure he'll come back stronger, but a difficult situation for all that, really. Yeah, and I, yeah, personally for him, hopefully he's a, the injury's not as as bad as it as it maybe could have been, and and hopefully he can be be back as quickly as possible. But as you say, it will be a lengthy layoff. And at the top of the the National League, Stockport are currently in 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 that position. They'll be looking ahead to their game this weekend at home to Woking. But at the start of the week, we had the FA Trophy and FA Vars draws, and and having beaten Bolton and lost away at. Uh, Rotherham in the FA Cup uh, this season. Stockport County have quite possibly got the toughest game of their comp- competition uh, year with a trip to Needham Market in the quarterfinals of the trophy ne- next month. Yeah, fantastic, um, fantastic draw for for Needham. I was speaking to um, Luke Ingram to, today. He scored the penalty that sent them through against Dartford, and going to get <laughs> kind of. Funny one, you know, they would never have expected to be getting to the quarterfinals, and we would have talked about it. It's kind of one of those runs that's that's just happened as, as does as does happen every year for for one or two clubs, and you know, they've already beaten Wealdstone and and then went down to Yeovil and won them uh, on penalties, uh, and and they beat beat Dartford, who are you know going going great guns in the National League South, and now um, a huge game of Stockport County coming to coming to Suffolk to take them on in the in the quarterfinals and. Um, yeah, it will be a, a, a boost definitely on the other other foot, isn't it? From that, that incredible game against Bolton early in the season uh, in the FA Cup when when uh, Dave Challenge's men came back and came from behind, from a really difficult start in that game, two 0 down after a few minutes, weren't they? Yeah. Came back and, and and won it, and you know this will be a completely uh, completely different test. And obviously, Needham managed by Kevin Horlock, who's, who's who's been around and uh, successful professional career. And, Doing really well at, at the club. They're getting a lot of ac- academy players through and into the first team, and one on trial at Aston Villa at the moment. And, um, the lad went to Brentford the other week as well. So, you know, really good things happening at the club, and they're they're really, really, really relishing that. Um, that day, obviously, it's all the headaches that comes with having a <laughs> having a having a big game and going like that. I'm sure, sure probably some 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 way they would have they preferred it to be 
to be away and again to Stockport and Notts County. But yeah, it's um, fantastic draw for the, for the club and you know, really good to see the sort of spotlight again onto Needham. Mm. Um, for all the work they've been doing down there off the pitch in the last few years, and, and talking of, talking of headaches for those who are organising games, I mean, there's no hiding the fact that these are national competitions. Uh, I, I do feel for those planning their uh, the FA Vars trip to Littlehampton Town from North Shields. That 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 I can't imagine there's direct transport connections, so uh, that's a that that's a long day out on a coach. No, well, one of our um, freelancers does a lot of stuff for us, Mark Brothers, and. He, he sent a message and said, oh, what's the quickest way to, to Littlehampton? I said, I think you probably, probably go to France, fly to France <laughs> and then swim swim back might be quicker than coming down there. Yeah, that is, a, that is definitely an overnight stay, um, if, ever there, if ever there was one. But, you know, this is, you know, obviously North Shield have been there before and they've won the, oh, and they've won the fancies now and you get to this stage and it's, you know, you, you can't help. It sort of feels like it's really serious now you get to the quarters and it kind of opens out and people can see you know who, who's who, and, and you have that chance now. If you, if you're going to get to Wembley, these are the, these are the trips you, you've got to get, you've got, you've got to go for. And it's Indeed. kind of nice to be having them again, isn't it? After all the, as always say, you know, the COVID and the regionalised draws and all that sort of stuff. And it's nice to, nice to have these, uh, these games and what events for those players to be. To be going down there, this little Hampton just be glad there's no uh, no replays. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's uh, an adventure for players, for for fans, and 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 everybody. And so, plenty going on, uh, even in a fairly quiet week for the non-league football. Uh, anything else we can expect to read in this weekend's non-league paper? Well, yeah, as you say, a lot of heavy emphasis on the um, on the trophy and the suspect living room and pushing um, more shoes and. You've got a column, good column coming from yourself as well. So, um, interested to, you know, I know you, you're busy typing away as we speak, aren't you? So on that, so. it's actually open on my, on my other, yeah, this is, is I'm, I'm, I'm showing off. I'm, I'm dual screening here. I've actually got it open there. I just, I, it's been one of those days where I just need, I need to be able to read it through one more time to make sure it makes sense. And then, so when I get all the social media abuse on Sunday and say it doesn't make sense, then, uh, you can understand that I probably didn't have the ten minutes I needed to read through it, but actually, steer clear social media. Steer clear social media on Sunday, like I do. Not, not, not the place you want to be. <laughs> but no, yeah, lots, lots going on, and obviously all the games, and um, it's kind of nice, to, <laughs> nice of a normal, a normal week. I've done all the trophy and the bar stuff on top of everything. Then last week it felt like a really busy one. So hoping that some games go ahead. I mean, anxiously looking at mm. the uh, the weather forecast. Um, and hearing the wind and the rain um, hammering away outside, um, yeah, I think we could could see a few a few games go go this weekend. But hopefully, uh, hopefully we uh, have a decent program. There'll be plenty of plenty to read in there uh, on Sunday, and and hopefully uh, all the ground staying intact as well. I, I guess uh, we, we should also mention that the departure of David Richardson to Parsons New uh, has been invaluable well, uh, to, to to the show. Um, uh, we didn't get a chance to, to to mention last week. He's very he's very quiet. He's very you know what he's like. He's uh, but he's uh, he, he's he's moved into the wider world of sport, and I'm sure we'll, we'll all stay in, in contact with him. But uh, uh, it, it'll be a great loss to the show, and I, I guess to the paper as well. I've already deleted his number. <laughs> I've unfollowed him. I've unfollowed him on Twitter. I've deleted his number. I've unfollowed him on Instagram. Unfriended him on Facebook. Uh, yes, sad to see David go. He's um. 
he's uh, been brilliant for us last he said he's been working here four years it feels like longer than that, that that's probably like more reflection on there <laughs> <laughs> on the times <laughs> well, we've lived through yeah on yeah well, how it's been but um yeah i mean he's just been he's just been brilliant i said to him the other day it's kind of obvious that he was always gonna kind of move on he's been you know he loves his non-league and his, his knowledge is it's fantastic and he's done a lot a lot of good stuff and he's only a young boy so someone's going to notice eventually um, but no, please for please for him to be to be getting the opportunity. I know we're going to smash that as well. But yeah, a shame to a shame to lose him. Um, I think uh, maybe having to drive with me all the way to Bristol last year for the National League promotion final. Maybe that thought that I thought that went quite well. I thought he enjoyed it. I thought he'd want to do it again this year. But um, yeah, maybe not. But yeah, real real blow for us. But really pleased for him, and no doubt he'll still be around and. He'll still be, uh, he'll still be out watching non-league games for how much he, uh, he loves this level of a game. Yeah, I think, I think I might need to uh, get him on as a personal tutor to myself just to keep my uh, non-league knowledge up. You say, uh, yeah, he, he knows non-league game inside and out, but uh, um, I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure he'll be back in in, in some form, uh, way or other, uh, in, even if that's a few years ahead. Uh, uh, well, Matt. Thank you as ever for joining us on the non-league football show. We look forward to reading uh, this weekend's paper and uh, hopefully uh, uh, not seeing it blow down the road as we uh, collect it from the news agents but uh, uh, have a great weekend and we'll speak to you again soon thanks Tim and you speak soon And that's it for this week. Thank you once again for everybody listening. Thank you for all your kind comments that we get uh, via social media and and other uh, various platforms and and that over the week. It is great to know that uh, everybody's listening and why they're listening and why they love the show. Don't forget you can follow us throughout the season and join in throughout the week on social media at Non League Show. And uh, I'm there at Tim Fuel F-U-E-L-L you can find us every week on Audio Boom on Apple Podcasts also Google Podcasts Spotify Stitcher Deezer TuneIn Radio CastBox iHeart Geo Savin Listen Notes Overcast Podcast Addict Podchaser Radio Republic via Smart Speakers and all good podcast aggregation sites uh, stay safe. Uh, hopefully the weather will mean that you're able to uh, in- enjoy a game of football there this weekend. It- certainly enjoy that game of football. Thank you and goodbye. A Jibba Jabba production. J-I-double-B-A. J-A-double-B-A. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.